This is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. Thank you so much for joining us. We're into February, and we're talking about all things that God loves. His people, His Word, the life that He offers to us. I loved talking about courtesy and what it takes to be an honest woman with women all the way around the world who are doing their very best to be the most honest representation of who their real self is. Who is the real self? I don't know. I think the real self is always changing and evolving. Who I am today, I hope I will not be tomorrow. I have just one fraction of me different. Someone asked me recently, so what do you hope to do before you leave this earth? And I said, continue transforming. And they just looked at me like that didn't sound like a very good list of things. And it isn't. As a matter of fact, it's a rather open-ended list. But I truly believe that my life is one of continual transformation. Who I was yesterday is different than who I am today. And I'm transforming, as Paul says in the book of Corinthians, from one glory to the next glory because I am his Maybe you're not his. Maybe you're interested in God. Maybe you're even interested in daily activities that include practices of faith. But maybe you're not his yet. I can hardly wait for you to hear a book I'm going to read you called The Children of the King. I want you to be a child of the king. I want you to be absolutely certain within yourself that there is one ruler in your life. And it is not you, it is not your culture, it's not your husband, it's not your family, it's not your sorority sisters, it's your one true living God. If you've never made that commitment, this is a good day to think about it. This is a good day to say yes. It's a good day to make the first of many surrenders. Ugh, who wants to make a surrender, you say? Oh, those surrenders can be very hard. The surrendering itself is hard, but what follows is the peaceful fruit of righteousness and the courage to continue walking your life as a surrendered woman. So today I want to talk to you, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, I'm going to plunk in and out of the Sermon on the Mount. And interestingly enough, I am starting with the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. Not the beginning at all, but the very end. So you may see it even on the screen. It says S-O-M, Sermon on the Mount. I'll try not to be that casual in my conversation, but the Sermon on the Mount is found in the book of Matthew, Chapters 5, 6, and 7. Uh, now, Matthew portrays Jesus as a very sage, wise teacher with divine revelation. Matthew himself presents his words as he was a sage, as Jesus Christ was. And in this part of the passages that he's writing, Scripture is a way to offer you a wisdom that comes from God through Jesus to you. 
Now, in the book of John, we hear very clearly the admonition of Christ saying, I must go away, and the disciples clinging. I know what that feels like. I have someone close to me in my heart, in my life, who is going away, and I will not see as often. And and I want to cling. I want to hold tight and say, no, you can't go. And that's what the disciples said. No, why would you go? And Jesus' answer is, is an answer that always fits when we're letting someone go. And that is, if I don't go, what's coming which is better can't come. And we have to believe that whatever God allows in our life as a way of continual transformation, whatever leaves, he is going to put different, yes, different, but he's going to put what he knows is best for you in that time. So this wisdom is passed on from Jesus to the disciples, from the disciples to Matthew and Matthew writing it to us. And I want you to go to the very end of it, Matthew chapters 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. A few weeks ago, I gave you a very long list of the kind of subjects that you will find in the Sermon on the Mount. Everything from the golden rule to oaths and the admonition to love our enemies. But now we're at the very end of it. And this is a story that if you've been in Sunday school, you've heard this story, you've sung the song about the wise man who builds his house on the rock and the foolish man who builds his house on the sand. Let me read these verses to you. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall down because it was founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat against the house and the house on the sand went smack. <laughs> Can you hear it if you were in Sunday school? About the foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains came down, the floods came up, and the house on the sand went smack. Now when Jesus had finished saying these words, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. He taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes who were teaching them. Well, the scripture is full of metaphors about the house, full of Old Testament, the sanctuary, the temple, the house of God, your house, my house, this house. There are at least 25 of these references in the Gospels alone. And there are different versions to what this passage looks like. But it fits into this country's problems because we start with our heart houses. Where your heart is the house of your soul, of your life, of your thoughts. And the wonderful passage that Christ asks us to do, which is to love the Lord our God, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your soul. Not with just your heart, but with your mind and with your soul. And so our heart gets very full of an idea. This is the only parable in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, a parable is an interesting 
kind of storytelling, and Jesus was always telling stories, always telling stories. He, he just told a story. He spoke. He told another story. He told a parable. And I was talking to some young women about this parable and saying it was the only parable, and that I thought it was an unusual parable because most parables are just that. You have to be into it to understand what the real meaning is. It's not very clear. Parables just don't come out and say, okay, but this parable comes out and says, you're wise or you're foolish. Seemed pretty clear to me. So I was talking to a group of young women about this passage, and one of them said, oh, I think it's a big parable. I said, you do? What is it? What's the parable? She said, for me, it's, I, I don't know who to trust. And I thought, what an interesting observation. So here's the parable. Doesn't ring out to me as trust, but it did to her. So do you trust God and build your house on him? Is he going to be there? Are the rain's going to come and the flood's going to come and the wind's going to come? But that house, your life, metaphorically speaking, is going to be there. He's he's representing two options, and God uses two uh, often in the scriptures, two roads, two gates, two trees, two fruits, two kinds of foundations. And here he's taking these two foundations. I was also sharing this account with some women, and I had a plate, two plates. One had sand in it, really fine sand like you use in floral arrangement, and the other one had rocks in them. When you picked up the sand, and my dad used to tell this joke, he'd say, which weighs more, a pound of feathers or a pound of gold? Everybody always said the same thing, a pound of gold, a pound of gold, a pound of gold. And then he would laugh at us and say, a pound is a pound, a pound is a pound. But when you pick up two rocks and a pound of sand, it feels like the sand is a feather and the rocks are so heavy. Well, the rock, the solid foundation of it, is building our lives on God, which is a solid foundation. The sand can literally slip through your fingers. And how much you love God, how you love God, is your choice. Jesus is checking in on these disciples, and he's trying to say to them, remember the Sermon on the Mount is spoken to, as the first verse says, the crowds and the disciples went up. We don't know if they were just the 12 disciples. We don't think so. And the rest were just the crowds. But we think probably from what commentators have studied and written, there were the 12 disciples, and then sort of in the peanut gallery were others who had been following Christ and then there were the crowds who were just looky-sees and looky-loos. And he tells them this is not like any other parable, that this is a parable about Christian sense and what it makes sense to build a house upon. Do you ever have a foundation leak? I asked a group of women recently, so how's your foundation? How's your foundation? And one of them said, hmm, shaky. And another one said, it seems like there are some tiny cracks in my foundation. So I'm encouraging you to pause long enough to look at this small portion of scripture in Matthew chapter 7, the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, be a hearer and not just a doer. Hearers and doers. Hearers hear the word and then they go off and build their house on the sand. Doers hear their word 
and then they go off and build their house on the rock. Jesus begins with not just hearing. So what do you hear? What do you obey? What do you disobey? And what do you listen to? In the days ahead, I want to talk to you about this world order that we're living in. In America, I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about this cancel culture and who it is that defines who you are, the words you speak, and the words you think. I'm Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers, and it has been my joy to be with you. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of building your house on the rock.